So I wrote this in an attempt to spread some Christmas joy. This is the night before Christmas, Woodmont style, 2017, okay? "'Twas the night before Christmas, and under the steeple, Woodmont was busy and bustling with people. Tom had grown older. To the beach he'd retire. Forty years in Music City was about to expire. Bethlehem was finished. It was another success. Sam was elated. They'd cleaned up the mess. Cliff worked real hard. Cleaning all day, but if it involves the baptistry, he must stay away. Roy's computer didn't work, and he didn't know why. Plug the power cord in, you might be surprised. Farrell was busy with six kids at the mall, but she kept writing books, surprising us all. Rich begged the deacons to come past the plate, but some just can't help it. They're perpetually late. David Conrad kept asking, how long am I chair? With the stress of this job, I'm losing my hair. Parking was tough. Too many cars in the lot. Our church needs valet. We can't find a spot. Donovan was back, but only part-time. Between teaching and church, he's losing his mind. New babies kept coming. The nursery's too small. A good problem to have, but Lord help us all. Trump led the country and Haslam the state. Megan Berry was ready to raise your tax rate. Bredesen announced his decision to run. Isn't that guy 90? This should be fun. Roy Moore lost the Senate. He's such a loose cannon, but that's what you get when you listen to Bannon. Trump kept on tweeting. The guy's got some nerve. His words make him sound like he's been overserved. Tax cuts are coming. Don't have any fear, and we'll figure out how to pay for them sometime next year. The music was awesome. Singing carols of old, Jesus' birth in a manger, the prophets foretold. Christmas Eve would arrive, five services to choose. Why not come twice? You've got nothing to lose. The angel tree gifts had spread Christmas cheer. Mary Lynn, please calm down, at least until next year. Chris Beck was stressed out. The budget seemed tight. More guilt from the pulpit just might be all right. There's nothing like Advent at Woodmont each year. It's the best way we know to spread Christmas cheer. Faith, hope, and love is what makes it feel right. So Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. So we're continuing this Advent series called All I Want for Christmas. We started with hope, we went to peace, and today we say all I want for Christmas is Joy. Joy. Our world needs more joy. I spent some time this week thinking back on my own life about the times when I have uh, experienced joy. I thought about Christmases growing up in Memphis, singing carols and opening presents around the tree. I thought about different graduations, TCU, Princeton, Sewanee, and how each one marked major accomplishment in the beginning of a new chapter in life. I thought about being ordained into the ministry, May the 22nd, 2005, and how I decided to answer God's call, but I still didn't know exactly what that would mean or what that would look like. I remembered being installed here at Woodmont. I remembered our wedding in 2009, watching Megan walk through the doors in the, in the back to come down the aisle and getting to spend the rest of my life with her. I thought about the birth of our children If I asked you that question, what would you say are the things in your life that have given you great 
joy over the years. What would you say to that? Luke's gospel is probably the most familiar, the most famous of the birth narratives. There are two. Matthew has one. Luke has one. Mary and Joseph had traveled from Nazareth to Galilee to Bethlehem to be a part of the census mandated by Caesar Augustus. They made what was roughly an 80-mile journey very late in Mary's pregnancy while they were uh, heading to Bethlehem and getting to the town. It was crowded. It came time for them to deliver their child. And because of the census, Bethlehem was crowded. Travelers from all over the place. And they tried to check into an inn, but there was no room in the inn, so they found themselves in a stable with animals out in the cold. And Jesus was born, and he was laid in a manger, which is a feeding trough for the animals. Though Luke also includes in his account that at the time there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. When suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were absolutely terrified, that was until they heard this news, do not be afraid. I'm bringing you good news of a great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You shall find the babe wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And so they went with haste to Bethlehem, and when they arrived, sure enough, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus lying in the manger. And the angel said to them, I'm bringing you good news of a great joy for all the people. I want to talk about joy this morning, and I want to do it by asking you three simple questions to reflect upon. The first is, how is joy different from happiness? The second question is, what keeps us from experiencing joy in our lives? And the third question is, where do we find joy? So first, how is joy different from happiness? We all want to be happy. I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be happy, but we could all acknowledge that life is not full of happiness. As human beings, we're not always happy. There is a theological ethicist that taught it at Duke for many years. And uh, I spent some time studying him. His name is Stanley Harawas, but he wrote this book called The Peaceable Kingdom. And in it, he talks about the difference between happiness and joy. And this is what he says. Happiness is too shallow of a notion to characterize the disposition of the Christian. It too often suggests merely the satisfaction of desires that we have for ourselves. He says joy always comes to us in a form that we hardly expect. Joy is the disposition that comes from our readiness always to be surprised. Or to put it more strongly, joy is the disposition that comes from our realization that we can trust in surprises for the sustaining of our lives. Where we learn to see the simple and most common aspects of our existence, such as our friends, our spouses, our children, as sheer gifts to which we have no right but who are nonetheless present to us. In other words, joy often comes to us when we least expect it. And it resonates deep within our soul and it cannot be taken away. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is lasting. 
Happiness is often dependent upon external things that are out of our control. Joy is internal. Happiness comes and goes, and joy sticks with us. Happiness is a part of joy, but joy goes much deeper than happiness. We can be joyful even during the hard times of life, even during the difficult times of life, even during the times of life that we wish we didn't have to go through. We can still find joy. The second question, what keeps us from joy? If you are uh, running behind on your Christmas shopping like me, um, I'm going to help you this morning. There's a book. It's a great book, and it came out about this time last year, and it's called The Book of Joy, written by the Dalai Lama and Bishop Desmond Tutu. And you can order it. It would be a nice gift to anybody that you haven't bought a present for. But this is what they say in the book. They say there are obstacles to joy. These are joy killers, if you want to call them that, that all of us have to wrestle with in life. And I'm not going to name all of them, but among the joy killers, fear stress and anxiety. The Dalai Lama says stress and anxiety often comes from too much expectation and too much ambition. Then when we don't fulfill that expectation or achieve that ambition, we experience great frustration. So much of our stress and anxiety is self-imposed. And the more ambitious you are in life, most likely the more stress and anxiety you have. The next joy killer, frustration and anger. Dalai Lama says a healthy mind is a calm mind. Fear and anger are destroyers of a calm mind. Anger creates more problems than it solves. And yet we live in a world where there is way too much anger because there's way too much fear. I love what Thomas Jefferson once said. He said, nothing gives a person so much advantage over another as to remain always cool and unruffled under all circumstances. And I find that true. Loneliness is another joy killer. Loneliness will continue to be a great challenge in the 21st century because social media does not solve it. In fact, it might even make it worse. People have fewer friends than they used to. When people are struggling, they isolate themselves and they turn to alcohol and they turn to drugs and they turn to opioids to dull the pain. Loneliness keeps people from experiencing joy. And there are lots of people who are in relationships, who are in marriages, but who still feel lonely. Envy is another joy killer. It's hard to experience joy in your life when you're constantly focusing on what you don't have. Envy keeps us from being grateful and envy keeps us dissatisfied. Envy keeps us focused on what everybody else has. These are just a few of the joy killers that they talk about in the book. So the third question, where do we find joy? How do we find joy? The Dalai Lama and Bishop Tutu offer what they call eight pillars of joy, which I'm just going to name. Perspective, humility, humor, acceptance, forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, and generosity. But this question of where do you find joy is actually very complicated. Because if you just decide, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find joy, it's not always that easy. It's a crazy world. 
But I want to close this morning with a few concepts that I think might help us. I think these things are true, but I would say that sometimes they're much easier to, to, to write down or to say than they are to actually live. The first one is this. Joy is found in learning to be present. We'll never experience joy until we learn how to live in the present moment. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring troubles of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. If we don't learn to live in the present, we, we can experience joy. Joy is found in the moment. And because so many have a hard time being present in the moment, so many people don't know what joy feels like or what joy looks like. You have to stop and you have to breathe and you have to be present in the moment. The second concept, joy is found in people, not things. There are many false assumptions in our culture, and one of them is that, is that money and stuff will fulfill us. It never does. It, it might make us happy for a short period of time, but it never lasts. Joy is found in relationships. Joy is found in serving Joy is found in, in being part of a community. So if you think about it, here's some of the things that bring us joy in life. Sustaining a marriage over time. Raising children. Growing a friendship over the years. Singing songs over the years. Serving the less fortunate. That's where we find joy. So we could say the joy is found when we invest in each other, when we share life together. And lastly, the third concept, joy comes when we open our hearts and our minds to the mystery of God and how God came to earth in the form of a baby. What does that mean? It means this. If you're tired of living the same old life and doing the same old thing and going the same old places and saying the same old thing and seeing the same old people, then stop. Stop and open your heart to the mystery of God's presence. You see, some of us are so busy and so exhausted, especially during the month of December, that we don't stop to pray and to reflect and to be in God's presence, to let God love us and to let God speak to us. And that takes work. But it's worth it. It's always worth it. And that's why Christmas is a miracle. Emmanuel means God with us. God came to earth in human form he became one of us, and he showed us how to live, and he showed us how to love. Through Christ, the divine became human, the eternal appeared in time, the creator became a part of creation, or as John writes it so beautifully in the fourth gospel, the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. And when we begin to wrap our heads around this concept, 
then we start to experience joy and experience the presence of God. And we need it. We need it. Amen.